Hello, thanks for tuning in to the West Side Podcast. This is where we're going to be posting some of the audio from our gatherings on Sundays, and we're hoping to develop some other content that we're excited to share with you in the future. West Side's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus, step by step. And we really hope that this podcast helps you do just that. We hope it helps you get closer to Jesus. We hope that you would be reconciled to God and not only that, be reconciled to the relationships around you and to the city that you live in, wherever that happens to be. Again, thanks for tuning in and enjoy. All right, well, um, I get to talk to, I get to kind of take up the, the end part of, of Advent. If you've been with us and, you know, or even if you're new, you just got to know that, that churches all over the world celebrate this thing called Advent. It's part of the litur- liturgical church calendar. I, I grew up in church and I, we never did Advent growing up. Well, I take that back. We did Advent calendars, like, you know, you open up a little thing and there's a chocolate behind it, you know? Um, and that's not quite what I'm talking about. The, you know, the Advent is this season, this four weeks leading, leading up to Christmas that gives us a chance to be really intentional with just how we are just excited about uh, the coming of Jesus. And so we uh, try to always just make that be an intentional part of the life of our church. And each week has a theme. The week for this week is peace, peace. So I get to talk to you about peace. And I'm just going to tell you up front that I am one of the least qualified people to be talking to you about peace. All right. I'm just going to admit it from the top end because my life, guys, is not peaceful at all. Like, it's just not peaceful. I'm so, so busy. Um, I've got so many things going on right now. Part of it is just the season of life that I'm in. Um, I've got four kids, 12, nine, four, and two. And it's just, it's crazy, all right? It's just always crazy at my house. Uh, We're still doing diapers for the littlest. And, you know, Dawson, my four-year-old, just kicks me all night while I'm trying to sleep because he climbs into the bed. And, you know, so I'm not getting great sleep. And then the older two, you know, like we're, we told ourselves, we told ourselves that we weren't gonna be that family that like did tons of crazy sports and we were gonna have like boundaries and rhythms. Christy and I for years are like, you know what? We're not gonna be that family that like drives around everywhere and does the sports. We're just gonna set boundaries. And like, yeah, we're definitely that family that drive. I'm, I'm like living in my car, all right? I'm, I'm literally living in my car cause I'm driving this kid to this place and then this sport and this practice is going on. And it's just wild and crazy. Just all the stuff that's happening, that's happening um, uh, in, in my family with my kids. And then, and then there's, there's leading our church, which is beautiful and awesome. And there's a lot of support and help, but it's a lot. There's a lot of people and there's a lot of things going on. And then in the middle of all that, there's this other person named Christy who's my wife, who I also like, and who I also want to hang around with without any of y'all there, or you know what I mean? With like, with nobody else there. Then I got this other person that like is a really important relationship that I'm trying to lean into and, um, and be a part of. And then not only that, I'm trying to be like a well-rounded person. So I want to have friendships. And so there's friendships I want to be investing in. And, and, you know, and just like you, there's also like some other rhythms. Like I want to try to stay like physically active. So I'm trying to get to the gym and I'm trying to like eat, you know, trying to make good choices with my food. And, Oh my goodness, like you put it all together and my life is, it just doesn't feel very peaceful right now. And so maybe, so maybe you can relate with so much of what I'm saying because I have a feeling that a lot of us feel a similar way. You might not be in the same season of life that I'm in, but man, life, is, life is busy, right? There's so many things going on. And so um, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I just want you to know that I'm with y'all, all right? I'm with you, I'm with you. I, I, we're, we're trying to figure this out. Let's, 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 let's try to figure this out together because 
the week that, the, what we're called to just, the Advent calendar this week is just to v- take a view into what this idea of peace is all about. Where do we get peace? How do we find it? The ironic thing is this, is that Christmas can erode your peace. Have you experienced this? The funny thing, the ironic thing is Christmas, on top of everything else that we got going on, can erode peace because there's presents to wrap and you're wrapping those presents and as you're wrapping those presents you're thinking about how much all of that costs and then you're like the financial weight of everything is kind of like coming down and and uh, you know just this time of year just you know we got to go here you got to go there's so much to accomplish you know before the day gets here and uh, and then not only like not only the Christmas stuff but then there's the family that's going to be coming over to your house right right everybody look straight ahead everybody look straight ahead don't look around like you know that there's it's going to cause some stress and some chaos and then somebody's going to bring up politics and you're going to, oh no, like don't do that. Like Christmas can often, just all the things that it brings, it can erode our peace. And so a lot is working against us in this season when it comes to peace. But here's two things I know, all right? Two things I know. Number one is this, is you need peace. You need peace. I need peace. I I know this. I, I, I mean, I don't know everybody's story in here, but here's what I know is that is, is your heart desires peace. And sometimes it's really hard to find it. I read this quote by this guy named Sharon Miller. She says, for many of us, the only time we are silent and still is at night. That's why worry and fear mob us in the darkness. When I read that, like it hit me. Because I, I don't know, like sometimes I feel mobbed in the darkness by just all the things. Just everything's swirling. Do, you, do, do some of you feel like that sometimes? Just well, Finally, when things get quiet at night and there's like nothing else to do and you've done all the things, but it's just like everything's weighing on you about what's gotta, what you got to accomplish tomorrow and what has got to happen next week and what's got to happen next month. I mean, there's so much. These anxieties were with us all day, but we were too busy and distracted to search them in the company of Jesus. I love that phrase, just like, that there's something about searching those fears in the company of Jesus that, that helps us. You and I just, we so desperately need peace. And then here's the other thing I know is that not only do you need peace, but our world needs peace. Doesn't our world need peace? Does anybody experience like any, like just broken relationships in these last two years? Just frustration with just all the things that have been happening in our culture and all across the the world. And then you turn on the news and you see something else. And there's something else. And there's something else. Disagreements and just divisions. And you're like, oh, peace. Peace. The world needs peace. And in the middle of all that, Christmas makes this amazing claim that with the birth of this child, peace has come. That peace has come and peace will come. The angels declared it. Remember the, the, the angels show up and they say what? Glory to God in the highest and what? Peace. Peace on earth. Peace on those on whom God's favor rests. Peace is what the angels proclaimed. And so Christmas makes this crazy claim that in the midst of all of the chaos, in the midst of just our busy lives, that there's something about Christmas that just, it's just, it's demonstrating to us that peace is available and that peace is available to you and peace is available to me. And so it begs the question, where is the peace? How do we get it? How do we keep it? Here's a reminder, maybe something that sometimes we don't think about, but here's a reminder that the first Christmas 
wasn't very peaceful. It gets lost with so many of our like nativity scenes. I mean, you know, they look so cute and cuddly. And I was reading, a, I was reading a, I, every night when I put Dawson to bed, we read um, multiple books, but I always read the, like one of the, we, he calls it a Jesus book. I just rotate through like different like kids' Bibles, you know, and we just go through all the stories. And uh, just because we're approaching Christmas, I found in the current Bible that we were reading, I went to like the Christmas section because we're just reading that part. Can you put that picture up? Because like I, we were, we were uh, at the part where Jesus was born, and this was the picture. This is literally me with my phone, in, like laying down with my son Will, uh, Dawson, like taking a picture of the photo, or taking a picture of the book. Um, that was the picture, and it's funny because I mean, doesn't that look amazing? Doesn't that look peaceful? Besides, like, b- besides the fact that everyone's Caucasian in in the picture, that's it's a little bit inaccurate. Um, it looks just so amazing and peaceful, but you guys know that. <laughs> the first Christmas was anything but peaceful. Anything but peaceful. I mean, just picture. I mean, you're married and you haven't been with your betrothed person that you're going to marry, but you've got to tell them, hey, I'm with child. <laughs> That's a tough conversation. You're not sure how this is going to go. And she has to have that tough conversation. And Joseph is like, he's got to have, have time to process. And, uh, and then they have to travel because it's tax season. They're right in the middle of tax season. And they've got to travel to this other town because that's where, you know, that's, that's where they got to do a census and that's where they have to do all that. So they to travel and Mary's super pregnant. That's got to be so uncomfortable. And then they finally get there and Bethlehem is really packed at this time. There's lots going on because a lot of people are there because of the census and because of, because of all the tax stuff and there's no place for them. And so they get shoved into, you know, and usually in the pictures, it's like this stable. But, but historians, historians probably believe it's actually like a cave situation. It's probably like a cave where the animals were. And so now you can just imagine. Um, and, and guys, childbirth by itself is, has anybody been through a childbirth before? All right, ladies, some of you have. And, you know, some of you guys have like been in the room. I, I've been there for four childbirths. And let me tell you, childbirth is... Nobody was peaceful, all right? And no one in the room. There was no peace, all right? It was, it was, the, it was the opposite of peace. I mean, it was just, it's just chaos, you know? And they're screaming and like, ah, what's going on? And people are coming in and out. And I mean, so just imagine just a regular childbirth in a hospital is not peaceful. Now, now put yourself in a, in a cave with animals and no, no Purell wipes, you know, of, at any, of any kind and, straw and childbirth and and then and then like you know when we were in the hospital with our kids like I know the doctors were coming in but like we didn't have our friends come in and after for just a little while you know usually friends pop into the room or at least this was before COVID right um friends would pop into the room like you know maybe maybe a couple hours after the birth you know but like here's Mary she just had birth and then these like stranger smelly shepherd guys are like coming in and like, who are you? And they're like, we saw an angel, you know, so they're coming in. And I mean, just chaos. The, original, the first Christmas was anything but peaceful. And so it's really funny that when, you know, we sing silent night, holy night, all is. Sounds so lovely and amazing when really it was, it was just like, it's like a silent night, like grunge style song is really what, is really what the, 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 this occasion was like. And so Jesus, and think about this, Jesus, as we're going to read in a second, is the prince of peace. 
He's the Prince of Peace. And how much peace did Jesus experience in his short life on earth? Not much. Not much. And so there's this like irony, there's this like tension that the Prince of Peace is here and yet we can't look to our circumstances to, to validate that it's actually come. We have, to look, we have to look somewhere else because even the Prince of Peace didn't experience very much peace. I'm gonna to read to you from the book of Isaiah. It's a classic, it's a classic uh, verse usually that we read at Christmas time about the, it's like this ancient prophecy of this child that's gonna come and it's so beautiful, it's so rich. And I'll read it to you. Here's what it says from Isaiah chapter nine. It says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden, listen to this. Sometimes we, miss the, well, sometimes we skip over these ones, but I don't want to skip over these few ones because these are powerful. It says, for the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. And for all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood, those shall be burned as fuel for the fire. Sometimes we skip those because, it, you know, it's going to get to this child that is born to you in a second. But, you know, it's like, what does that mean? But what this is saying is that this child that's come, that's about to tell us that he's going to be the prince of peace, that when everything is said and done, that what's going to happen with this peace is that every, every weight from every oppressor is going to be broken. Every chain is going to be loosed. And everything that, is, that has blood stains on it because of war and strife and anger and tension, that all of that, the only use it's going to be for when, when finally God's peace fully comes, the only use it's going to be is wood for the fire. It's done. <laughs> Such good news. And then it goes into the part that we're familiar with. For a child has been born to us, a son given to us, and authority rests upon his shoulders. Your version might say, and the government rests on his shoulders. And I use this version because sometimes we get, it's like the government, like the U.S. government rests on his shoulders. It's like, no, no, no. In, in their language, government doesn't mean like a, like, a, like a government, like a civil government. It's like, it's like the weight of all things. The, it, 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 it rests on his shoulders. His, the, the, all the authority over all the cosmos rests upon his shoulders. And he is named, listen to these names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of what? Of Peace. In the original language, the, instead of Prince of Peace, it's Sar Shalom. Prince of Peace, the Sar Shalom. And then it goes on. It says, his authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David in his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. Such a beautiful, beautiful promise of peace, isn't it? It's a beautiful promise of peace. And yet we're just left with the tension still because here we are knowing that like peace has come, that, God, that Jesus has brought peace to the world. And yet... Our lives can be really hard. And yet we look around and, and where, is, where is this peace? 
that you have promised. And so it's supposed to just leave us in this tension of asking big questions about like, okay, what's this peace all about? And Jesus had a lot to say about peace. And I thought about listening off a whole bunch of different scriptures that talk about peace. Um, But I just really want to land on one where Jesus is in a conversation with a group of people just like us. And Jesus is from from the Gospel of John. Jesus is, is talking with a group of people and they record his words where he is talking about peace. And I love what he has to say about peace because I think it gives us huge insights into why sometimes we can't find this peace that he has promised us. This is what Jesus says, all right? He's talking with a group of people. They've got similar questions as us. Remember, they're in this context where Rome is pushing down on them. They're like, man, where is this peace, you know, that, 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 that should come to us? And then here's what Jesus says. He says, peace I leave you. This is from John chapter 14. He says, peace I leave you. My peace I give you. First of all, it's not a peace that like we have to produce. Jesus doesn't say, hey, you want to know how to get peace? It's just Look in, look to your inner peace, you know? Um, you know, like, hey, just Jesus is like, don't look in for peace. No, no, no. He says, peace is going to, I'm going to give you, I'm going to leave it to you. I'm going to give you my peace. And then he says this, I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I love this because Jesus is saying that the peace that he's going to give is going to be different than the kind of peace that the world can offer. Jesus is making like a distinction between the peace that he can offer and the peace that the world can offer. It's like you can go down to, to, uh, to like Little John's or let's see, um, Little Caesars and get pizza, right? You can get pizza at Little Caesars, but guys, you could also get pizza from Tracktown. Or Pizza More in Albany. Jeff Greytrack, wherever you are. Like, like the world can give peace, but Jesus is saying, I, I like, because not all pizza is the same. Amen? Amen? Not all pizza is the same. And, the, and I think Jesus is saying is not all peace is the same. Not all peace is the same. He says the world can give peace, but the peace that I'm going to leave you, the peace that I am offering you, this is the kind of peace where your heart will not have to be troubled and you do not have to be afraid. Um, how does the world give us peace? How does the world market peace? I just have a couple ideas, but there's, there's so many things. Just super quick, just, just some things that I've been thinking of. First is there's material peace. So that's like, you know, extended warranties, alarm systems, insurance, money. You know, like a lot of us just think, man, if I just had more money, I would have peace. But as the prophet Biggie said, more money, more problems, all right? It doesn't necessarily work that way, right? Because we think that if we just have more stuff, bigger barns, we'll have more peace. And yet what a lot of us have experienced is sometimes when you have more, it actually doesn't get you to where you think it's gonna get you when it comes to peace. There's material peace, there's geographical peace. This is like, this is like hey, I'm, I'm, there's no peace here, so we're just gonna move over there and then we'll have peace, right? This is kind of how our country was started. It was called taxation without representation. And then the people were like, hey, there's no peace here. We're going to go across the pond and we're going to start a new place and there's going to be peace. And guess what? They moved. But guess what? They brought with them human beings, just more human beings. And there is no peace. And sometimes we just think, oh, if I just moved to Idaho, how many people moved to Idaho, you know, like this last two years? We'll move to Idaho. And if we could just move to Idaho, everything's going to be peachy if we move to Idaho. But I promise you, guess who moved to Idaho? Humans did. And, so, and all their problems too, right? It's like you can't find peace just by just moving to a different place on the map. Um, psychological peace, 
You know, there's like just different tips and tricks for just like, you know, helping your brain relax. And by the way, like material stuff, geographical stuff, psychological, these aren't bad things. It's just that, it's just that these are things that are offering this like lasting peace that, that don't go as far as, as the kind of peace that Jesus wants to offer us. But like psychological peace, like I, was, I, I learned this thing. Have you guys heard of the butterfly hug? Okay, it's like this. It's like you cross your fingers like this and you like just tap your chest like this. And it's just a way of like calming down your brain. It actually, there's like science behind it because it like fire, it like uses both sides of your brain. So if you go like this, it like, some of you, some of you should try it right now. All right. Because some of you are like, you're like, oh, I want to feel peaceful. All right. So supposedly this is like a, supposed to be like a legit way for you to like calm down. Just get your breath. At, you know. So, hey, butterfly hugs are great. But, but I mean. It's, it's, it's not long-lasting peace. It's not going to do it. There's also pharmaceutical peace because you can, you can, you can buy it. You can, you can get some peace in a bottle nowadays. And again, I'm not saying that it's wrong to, like, to take medications. Please trust me. I'm not saying that. But there's, you know, it's like, hey, just get it. Go here. Move here. You can get it in a bottle. What else? Um, there's circumstantial peace. Oh, if I could just get out of this job and get that job, oh, everything would be fine. If I could just get out of this marriage... And if I could just get out from here and go over there, if I could just be with that person, oh, it'll be fine. We, we just, we have this tendency of thinking that everything's, that the grass is greener on the other side. If we could just change our circumstance, oh, there is where I'll find peace. And as you and I have discovered, we go for it. And guess what we find? Because we keep bringing ourselves everywhere we go. Isn't that incredible? circumstantial peace, and then there's just like self-generated peace, you know, just kind of like look inner peace, like look in or just like dance it out, you know, just dance it out, dance it out, and you'll find your peace. There's like all sorts of different ways that the world says, hey, this is how you can find peace. There's like, there's other ones I didn't list, but like escaping peace, like you can escape through pretending, you can escape through substances, you can escape, you can try to, you can try to get peace by just blaming everybody else for your problems. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, all the ways that the world can offer peace, I'm not saying that they're all bad, it's just that they're, they're this, they are temporary and incomplete. They're temporary and incomplete. Not all peace is the same. And Jesus is saying that, he can, that the kind of peace that he has is different than the kind of peace that the world can give. So no offense, John Lennon, you can't imagine peace and just make it come to fruition. No offense, beauty pageant winners out there, you can't just wish for world peace and have it happen. No offense, Bono, you can't just sing about world peace and have it come to fruition. No offense, Bill Gates, you can't just throw money at, at something and make peace come. Those, those sort of solutions aren't enough. They're not enough. And many of us are here in this room, not just because we like coming to church services. We're, we're, many, we're here in this room because we've given our lives to Jesus Christ. We've literally surrendered our lives to Jesus because we really believe that it's only, that it's only in Jesus that we're gonna have answers to offer the world, like real answers, like answers that are not incomplete and temporary, but that truly the hope of the world is just putting our faith and our trust and our hope in Jesus, in this, this God who came as a baby to, to offer peace to all of mankind. That's, we just, we believe that. We believe that. How did Jesus do that? Um, three ways. Um, real quick, again, one is Jesus, we believe that Jesus has done this because first of all, through Jesus, we have, number one, peace with God. We have peace 
with God. The story of the Bible in 60 seconds is there was this garden. God created humanity in love and said, hey, let me be in charge. And in that garden, there was shalom, completeness. They had everything they needed. But deep in the heart of, of Adam and Eve and also deep in our hearts as humans, as, as, as all of us in this room, there's something in us that says, no, I want to be in control. I want to take the fruit from the tree. Thank you very much. God, I'll come to you on Sundays or I'll come to you when I have a midterm when I need you. But, you know, the other stuff in my life, like I want to be in control. The Bible calls that sin. And what sin has done is it's broken everything. And they no longer could live in that shalom. Something had to be done. And so they got cast out of the garden. You, you, you might know this story. And even the scripture says that there was this like angel with a sword guarding the entrance back into the garden, which is pretty wild. And you're like, whoa, what does that mean? You know? But I think what it means is that in order to be able to get back to the garden, somebody's got to go under the sword. In order to get back into the garden, something, something has to be done to deal with this sin in us. And then we go through the whole Old Testament, and it's really actually really cool how the, the Israelites would, would worship God in a, in a tabernacle and then later in a, in a temple. And what we know about the tabernacle and the temple is that when you, go, when you went inside the tabernacle and the temple, that it was beautiful, it was ornate, and there was like pictures all over the wall of what? Garden stuff. And then you would go into the Holy of Holies. One time a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. And, and inside it would be decorated just like, just like the, 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 the Garden of Eden. And it's supposed to be this symbolic picture of we're, we're all trying to get back to the garden. We're all, the, like our deepest longings in our heart are only to be found in the garden. And yet we can't get back into the garden unless somebody goes under the sword. And so then Jesus shows up in our place as a human being, God in the flesh, saying, listen, you can't, you can't go under the sword. It'll, it'll destroy you. I will go under the sword for you to get you to be able to get back into relationship with me, to be able to get back into the garden, the place that all of our deepest longings are longing for. That's what Jesus has done. We were enemies, the, the, the scripture says that we were enemies of God because of our sin, but in Christ Jesus, we now can have a relationship with him. I think I have a verse from Romans chapter uh, five, verse one. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have what? Peace. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only do we get peace with God, which is the first step, but also we, have, we can have, then have peace with ourselves. And this isn't like inner peace, like that you can get through yoga necessarily. This isn't like, but this is like peace with ourselves where like there's something in us that we all know that something's broken and fractured. And there's this feeling that we have of, you know, so our, our culture might call it shame. And, you know, that's a word that we don't like to talk in. Like we don't shame people here. But listen, there's something, there's something that we have to recognize that there is something wrong in me. There's something that needs to be fixed. There's something that needs to be tweaked that I can't do on my own. It's important that we acknowledge that. That's just acknowledging our sin, acknowledging our, our necessity to have a Savior come and rescue us. But what happens is because Jesus made peace with, because we have peace with God through Jesus, now then Jesus goes the next step. So now we can have peace with ourselves. And what that means is that you can know that you are broken and that you have a lot of work to do and that you are far from perfect and, that, and yet God loves you. He loves you. He knows exactly what you did last week. He knows exactly what you did last night. He knows exactly what you did 12 years ago. He knows exactly what is deep in your heart right now. 
And he loves you so much that he's just gonna keep pursuing you and loving you. He's never gonna give up on you. Christmas tells us that once and for all. And if you can like bring that into your heart, then now suddenly like, even though you know you're a sinner, now you like grow in this confidence that even in the midst of our sin and our brokenness, I am made right with God. I can have, I can have I, in that sense, I can have inner peace. I can have, I can have peace with myself because I know that I am loved. I don't have to perform my way in and our world is obsessed with performing their way in. You're, you're, tight, you're so exhausted from it. When I slip into it, I'm exhausted from it too. We gotta say everything right. We gotta do all the right things and God does not need that from us because his son Jesus did everything that needed done. So therefore you can have peace with God and peace with yourself. And then the next step that happens when those first two things are, are covered is that now then we have the ability to have peace with others. Peace with others. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, that because we've been made right with God and because that we can have, we can, we can be okay with where we're at in our lives because we know that God loves us. Therefore, then now we can have peace with each other. Um, just have a couple more moments. Um, one of my favorite theologians, his name is Stanley Hauervoss. He teaches at Duke University. And um, there's a really great book that I read from him recently. And he talks about how, how one of the greatest witnesses that, Christians get to have to the world is how we walk through having, making peace with each other. Um, you've heard me probably this like eke out into lots of my messages and lots of our talks here at, at church because I really do believe this. I really do believe that we have, uh, we have a job to do that, that the Lord's given us to be Jesus' hands and feet to the world. And it's, it's, it's the most sacred, important, beautiful job. And that we're not, we don't have to do it alone. We have the Holy Spirit, which is a beautiful gift to us because it's a job bigger than us. And so we get to be this alternative society, alternative culture to the, to the world's culture that we just do things so differently that even though some things the world's just not gonna understand, it's, it's so beautiful and rich that the world just has to stop and say, what is the deal with these Christians? And it's my concern that unfortunately a lot of Christians don't know how to make peace with each other. They don't know how to forgive each other. And therefore the outside world looks in at Christians and they see bickering, they see fighting, they see people who are cold and unwilling to forgive each other. And so therefore they say, if they can't forgive, why should I care about a forgiving God? It must all be bogus. Unfortunately, that's what so much of the world thinks. And I have a feeling that if we were to take this seriously, that God has made peace with us and therefore we can have peace with ourselves and that paves the way for us to be able to extend that peace to others, that we can be peacemakers. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers. That if we can be peacemakers, that that becomes a powerful witness to the world of the validity of our Lord Jesus Christ. That when the world says, wow, I don't know how they can create, a how a group of people can get together over, over racial lines, uh, how a group of people can get together over social lines, over, over uh, you know, like rich, poor, black, white, you know, just like, just male, female, that just like in all those divisions that just divide the rest of the world, that in the unity of Jesus, that the church can love each other and forgive one another and be unified around the gospel of Jesus. And that becomes a beautiful picture to the world. 
So how I want to close this talk on peace tonight is um, a couple things. I want to end with some practicalities on just maybe some of the, I just want to get real practical with you on some peace. And I'm going to end with you making peace with people in your, I'm just giving you a warning, all right? I'm going to push you tonight that if you follow Jesus and if we're serious about Christmas, then there might be some relationships that you need to make right. There might be somebody that you're at war with for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't know the story. And it might be really hard, actually. I don't know what you making peace looks like. Okay, this is complicated. We've done whole, t- whole other sermons on, like, how do you forgive someone and yet still have there be boundaries? And, you know, like, and it's, it's complicated. But what would it look like? This is just where I'm pressing you. What would it look like for us to make peace with some of the relationships in our lives that have been broken? What if the grace of Jesus could just be big enough and strong enough to just like, to just like come into some of those relationships? I don't know. That's where I'm going to push you at the end. But here's a couple things just practically about peace. Number one, think about how your peace relates to your pace. Because peace and pace are much more closely related than we like to think. Sometimes the reason why peace is really hard for you to find is it's not because you're not praying enough or it's not because you don't believe in Jesus enough. But sometimes you just haven't, you just haven't addressed your pace. And guys, I'm, I'm one of the worst at this. So that's why I'm not qualified to talk to you about pace tonight. Or right? I'm just being real with you. But it's something so important that we have to look at. What are, what are, how, what's your pace in your life? Because sometimes if you're moving at such a breakneck pace, of course, of course, you're going to be chasing peace. And thank God that as we follow Jesus, that there's rhythms that he's given us like Sabbath. Rhythms like just rest, rhythms like solitude and silence, things that are really hard for us, really hard for me, to be honest. But they're gifts, they're gifts to us. Think about how your peace and how your pace relate. Number two is this, think about how your peace relates to your limits. We are human beings and so therefore we are limited. And so maybe sometimes the reasons why you don't have peace is because you're saying yes to too many things and you need to learn to say no to some things because you're a human and you have limits and you can't do it all. Think about that. Sometimes maybe just in this season when things are pulling you left and right, that, uh, that maybe you need to make some boundaries. Maybe you need to make some limits to what you're being asked to do. That might actually be a beautiful gift to you and to the people around you. Think about your limits. Think about this. Think about how God's peace towards you should shape your peace with others. Romans 12, 18, one of my favorite verses in the Bible says, says this, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. I love that. Because you know what it acknowledges? Is that you could do your absolute best to live at peace with someone. And guess what? It might not work. It might be really tough. You might be, there might be just some relationships that just, it's tough. It's just tough. But I love that in Romans says, if it's possible, as long as it depends on you, live at peace. So this is just kind of where I want to push us because in a few days, your house is going to be filled with all sorts of human beings that you have a lot of history with. And I hope that your time with your family is beautiful and awesome and amazing. Um, but there's also going to be some, like, some hard relationships there, I bet. Um, there's going to be some differences of opinion about politics and differences of opinion about all sorts of things. And who, know, who knows what, what the history is. But there's going to be just so many different opportunities in these, you know, even in just in these next, this next week for, for divisions and war to break out and just different conversations. And I just want to press us. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. 
He's made peace with us between us and God. He's made peace with us and ourselves. Therefore, how could we not do everything in our power to live at peace with one another? What would, what would that look like for you? What would that look like in your, in your relationships? And I just want to trust and... and um, Let's see, uh, Olivia and the band, could you guys come back up? We're just gonna, we're gonna close, we're gonna sing a song. I just wanna kind of just leave that with you tonight because um, I just really believe that the Holy Spirit knows exactly what relationships need some help in your sphere. Holy Spirit's gonna bring a person or a situation to your mind where you're like, <laughs> where you're like, yep, you got me, you got me. I've been, I've been digging my heels on that one, God. I've been stubborn with that one. I... Um, Lord, you gave me peace. You made everything right by coming and substituting your life for mine. And so how could I not do everything in my power to do that, to extend that to others? And I just, I just, I just want the Holy Spirit to just push you a little bit on that. Just mess with you a little bit. It's okay. Let's give him permission to mess with us a little bit. And uh, I hope then that that launches us out in this week into some conversations that might even be hard, but might end up being some beautiful, beautiful, like reconciling type relationships that would, that would make the world stop and say, oh my gosh, if that can happen with them, then that means that there must be some validity to this God who has come to bring peace to the world. I just, I hope that happens with us. I'll pray. Father, um, we, um, we thank you that you are Sar Shalom and that you've paved the way for us to be able to get back to the garden. And Lord, we know that this world is, there's so many things that are hard. We live in this tension where this peace that you offer is right here for us and yet it's not finally here. And so Lord, we look forward to the day when we, like we read from, from the book of Isaiah that Every, every, the weight of every oppressor will break. The blood on every boot of every soldier will be good for nothing because your peace rules and reigns over all things. Lord, that is what our hearts want. That's what the world needs. And so Lord, we repent for looking for that kind of peace in all sorts of temporary places. Just putting our hope and our faith and trust in those things that, that, that might help us a little bit, but will never fully and finally satisfy. So Lord, we look to the peace child, the God, God in the flesh who has come to make peace with all of humanity by making things right between us and God and us and ourselves, and then finally between us and each other. Lord, we tap into that tonight and we, Lord, and we ask Lord that it would transform us and it would make us new and it would work its way out into where the rubber meets the road sort of stuff when it comes to family dinners and getting along with people that are hard to get along with, entering into conversations of relationships that have been fractured for whatever reason. But Lord, you're just pushing us to figure out what does it mean to be a peacemaker? Thank you for your peace, Father. We just submit our lives in these situations to you. We just, Holy Spirit, fill us, help us, help us learn what it means to be a peacemaker. In Jesus' name.